Thank you for joining us for another lesson from God's Word. Anytime you're in Huntsville, we hope you'll come be part of our worship. The West Huntsville Church of Christ at Providence is located at 1519 Old Monrovia Road Northwest, Huntsville, Alabama, 35806. We hope you'll enjoy this lesson brought to us by Glenn Colley. This morning's scripture reading will be taken from Acts, the 15th chapter, verses 12 through 17. Then all the multitude kept silent and listened to Barnabas and Paul declaring how many miracles and wonders God had worked through them among the Gentiles. After they had become silent, James answered, saying, Men and brethren, listen to me. Simon has declared how God at the first visited the Gentiles to take out of them a people for his name. And with this the words of the prophets agree, just as it is written. After this I will return. And will rebuild the tabernacle of David, which has fallen down. I will rebuild its ruins, and I will set it up, so that the rest of mankind may seek the Lord, even all the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord, who does all these things. The Soli family has a propensity for naming their babies Bible names. Not all of them, but uh, quite a few of them. And Amos is the one I introduced to you today. I want to preach about Amos today. My hope is, and I haven't told Abraham this yet, but I hope he'll get a copy of this sermon and play it to Amos when Amos is a teenager and remind him, as they will do, as Abraham and Diana will do through Amos's life, remind him of who he is and that this is the man after whom he is named. I want to do an overview of the book of Amos. What do you know about Amos? What comes to your mind when I say the word Amos? My goal is that not only will you have more education about the book, but that you'll love him as much as I do. What a great man of God was Amos the prophet. So let's, get, let's do an overview. Now, I'm going to spend most of our time on Amos. You need to be able to see a Bible. So if you have, have a Bible, uh, get it open. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to 1 Kings chapter 12, and the first thing we're going to do is get the backstory for the book of Amos. You've got to start back here in 1 Kings 12. I'll read a passage, and then we're going to jump 200 years, and we'll get to the book of Amos. I'm going to read a lot of verses, so you'll need to be able to follow along. If you don't have a Bible, why become really good friends with the person next to you and look on, on theirs. All right, for 1 Kings chapter 12. Let's begin our reading in verse 25. This is the division, the division of the of uh, the kingdom of Israel. Now, you remember the, the, the primary kings, the first kings of Israel, Saul, David, Solomon, Solomon's son Rehoboam. Solomon's son Rehoboam was a very foolish young man, and he divided the kingdom. And the northern side, the side that left him, which was the majority of Israel, pulled away and elected their own king, and his name was Jeroboam. Jeroboam was a wicked man, and that's rather going to define Israel for the rest of the time. I'm in First Kings chapter 12 and verse 25. This is the beginning of the reign of Jeroboam. Then Jeroboam built Shechem in the mountains of Ephraim and dwelt there. Also he went out from there and built Penuel, and Jeroboam said in his heart, Now the kingdom may return to the house of David. 
If these people go up to offer sacrifices in the house of the Lord at Jerusalem, where God instructed them to do it, then the heart of this people will turn back to their Lord, Rehoboam, king of Judah. They will kill me and go back to Rehoboam, king of Judah. Therefore, the king asked advice. Listen closely. Made two calves of gold and said to the people, It's too much for you to go up to Jerusalem. Here are your gods, O Israel, which brought you up from the land of Egypt. Does that send chills over you? Therefore the king asked advice, uh, verse 29, and he set up one in Bethel, the other he put in Dan. Now this thing became a sin, for the people went to worship before the one as far as Dan. He made shrines on the high places and made priests from every class of people who were not of the sons of Levi. Levi. Now remember the Levites were the priestly tribe of God. God had set up the Levites. So he changed that too and made all sorts of people the leaders. All sorts of people. Jeroboam 32. Jeroboam ordained a feast on the 15th day of the 8th month like the feast that was in Judah. And offered sacrifices on the altar. So he did at Bethel, sacrificing to the calves that he had made. And at Bethel he instilled the, installed the priests of the high places which he had made. So he made offerings on the altar which he had made at Bethel on the fifteenth day of the eighth month, in the month which he had devised in his own heart. And he ordained a feast for the children of Israel and burned sacrifices on the altar and burned incense. Twenty-one times in the Old Testament, you find these or similar words. Jeroboam, who made Israel to sin. Now that's critical. That's the backstory for the book of Amos. Now we're going to jump two centuries. Let's go to Amos. Amos is the prophet. So what happens to Israel, the northern kingdom... That started out like this. So that's just that's an interesting experiment in human behavior. So where is this going to lead? Ultimately, where, where will it lead? The book of Amos will explain that to you. A couple of centuries later, and Amos is sent by God. All right, so here's point number two. I want to introduce you to the man, Amos. Look at Amos chapter 1 and verse 1. The words of Amos, who was among the sheep breeders of Tekoa, which he saw concerning Israel in the days of Uzziah, king of Judah, and in the days of Jeroboam, the son of Joash, king of Israel, two years before the earthquake. Now, we'll talk about the earthquake later, but now I know you saw something that's interesting here. Jeroboam mentioned here, this is two centuries into the future, so this is Jeroboam too. I think that's terribly ironic that now you have the second king, Jeroboam, during the time of Amos. But what you see here is that Amos was a... Sheep breeder. That's not all. Drop, drop down to chapter 4. Let me show you this description of him. I'm sorry, chapter 7. There we are. Chapter 7, verse 14. Then Amos answered and said to Amaziah, I was no prophet, nor was I a son of a prophet, but I was a sheep breeder and a tender of sycamore fruit. Then the Lord took me as I followed the flock, and the Lord said to me, go, prophesy to my people Israel. How many, how many times in Scripture can you think of where God chose an unlikely person to be a leader? What comes to your mind? 
I mean, you think about, you think about David. And Samuel goes down the line of David's brothers. What about this one? What about this one? Nope, this isn't, nope, not him, not him, not him. And you get to that youngest son of Jesse, and it was David. Other people couldn't see it, but God saw it. That's who he wanted. God could see the future. He wanted David. You think about the book of Judges, and you have all of these unlikely people to lead the children of Israel out of their, out of their, their bondage or their oppression. Jephthah? Jephthah was a rogue. What about Samson, a womanizer? I mean, Deborah? Think about Gideon. Gideon became a great man, but he didn't start out that way. He started out scared of his shadow. Why did God pick these? God knows what he's doing. God had a purpose. Same thing's true about Amos. Now, Amos is not from the northern kingdom. He's not from Israel. He's from Judah. And not only that, He's not part of the wealth and the refinements of the people of Israel, the northern kingdom. He's going to come and prophesy to people that aren't like him. He's not plugged into their political system. He's not influenced by their refinements or their wealth or their opulence. He's not part of any of that. You know what he is? He's a sheep herder who has a deep, deep reverence for God. And God says, I want you, Amos. There's something about Amos that you gotta love. He's a simple man. He's, but, but what he is is a man who's, who's gonna have the courage to stand up and tell them exactly what, what's going on. He will declare the will of God, the word of God to this reprobate people of Israel. We're 200 years into this. And what does it look like? Let me introduce you to Israel. The first thing he's going to do is, is to give you the kingdoms. There we go. This is going to be interesting, I think. It's striking that he starts out in the whole first chapter and part of the second chapter talking about the nations round about them. Now remember that while the book of the Old Testament, the law of Moses was for the Israelite people, the descendants of Jacob, you still had most of the people on the planet who are not Israelites, they're not Hebrews, they're Gentiles. But God was their God too. And you have these punishments meted out in the beginning part of Amos to the people all around them. So, verse 5, I will also break the gate bar of Damascus. Verse 6, for three transgressions of Gaza, and for four, I will not turn away its punishment. And it describes what they have done. And parenthetically, to say, this is going to be repeated, for three transgressions and four doesn't mean that they've only committed four sins. Three means all filled up. Four means you're way over the top. For three transgressions and for four, and then you drop down to verse nine, for three transgressions of Tyre and for four, I will not turn away its punishment because they delivered up the whole captivity to Edom. And it goes on there. Drop down to verse 13. The transgressions of Ammon. Drop down to chapter two and verse one. For the three transgressions of Moab and for four, I will not turn away its punishment. So, you know what? I think the people to whom Amos was speaking, these Israelites, I think they were very interested in it. It's always interesting to hear about the sins of other people. And I, I think this is very much like a salesman. And I'm not minimizing Amos here, but one of the tactics of a salesman is that you get people to say yes, 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 yes. So you start out with some questions, some things with which they will agree to get their head bobbing. I think the Israelites were saying, yeah, yeah, y'all go get them, go get them. But what's about to happen is a Nathan moment. Nathan. Thou art the man, it's just about to happen. So they're, you know, they're bobbing their heads. And then you get down to verse, uh, chapter two and verse four. Okay, now this is going to get, this is going to get interesting. Thus says the Lord for three transgressions of Judah. 
and for four. I will not turn away its punishment. They've despised the law of the Lord and not kept his commandments. Their lies lead them astray, lies which their fathers, fathers followed. I'll send fire upon Judah and it will devour the places, the palaces of Jerusalem. I think there was a hush that fell over that room. Now they're not of Judah, but Judah is Israelites too. I think, I think that, that they must have heard that and, and just really gotten quiet. And this gets too close to home. All of this is preparatory to get them ready to hear what he's about to say. Let me tell you about the nations around you. They're responsible to the law of God too. It wasn't the law of Moses, but they were responsible to God's law, his universal law. Judah, Judah's in trouble too. And then he's going to say the word Israel. Now go with me to verse 6. And chapter 2 of Amos, verse 6, thus says the Lord, For three transgressions of Israel and for four, I will not turn away its punishment, because they sell the righteous for silver. They exploit people and create slavery, and the poor for a pair of sandals. Can you imagine selling a man for a pair of sandals? They pant after the dust of the earth which is on the head of the poor, and they pervert the way of the humble. They're immoral. Listen to this. A man and his father go into the same girl to defile my holy name. Now, while they're doing this, you must appreciate the fact that they're very religious. They're religious toward Jehovah God, and they're religious toward their own idols. And the silence of those empty, useless idols, they take as consent and permission and endorsement for their wicked ways. So now, hold on here. Let's go to chapter 4. I'm going to come back to 2, but flip over to over to chapter 4, and I want to look at verse 4. Look at their religion. Come to Bethel and transgress, and Gilgal, multiply transgression. Bring your sacrifices every morning, your tithes every three days. Offer a sacrifice of thanksgiving with leaven. Proclaim and announce the freewill offerings, for this you love, you children of Israel, says the Lord. Got it? It's possible to be very religious and at the same time be very immoral and that's where they were they mocked the almighty god by the way that they lived now go back to chapter two i want to go through some of the specifics amos is going to describe of the weaknesses and the wickedness in israel so let's go now to chapter chapter two and verse 12 you gave the nazarites wine to drink which of course is forbidden and commanded the prophets to say, do not prophesy. The people who were righteous, they would try to persuade to be unrighteous. The people who were, who were prophets, don't you be talking about that. Don't you be telling people about the ways of God. Now chapter 3 and verse 15. I will destroy the winter house along with the summer house. The houses of ivory shall perish and the great houses shall have an end, says the Lord. The opulence of it. And while they're idolatrous and while they're wicked and while they're immoral and while they exploit people for slavery, they are terribly wealthy. So chapter 5 now in verse 10. They hate the one who rebukes in the gate. They don't want anybody who tells people the truth of God. And they abhor the one who speaks uprightly. Therefore, because you tread down the poor... You take grain taxes from him, though you have built houses of hewn stone. Yet you shall not dwell in them. You planted vineyards, pleasant vineyards, but you shall not drink wine from them. For I know your manifold transgressions. 
and your mighty sins, afflicting the just and taking bribes, diverting the poor from the justice at the gate. Now, let me tell you something. That, that is why God wanted the farmer named Amos. Who are you going to get to come to a, a wicked, transgressing Israel and tell them about their transgressions? Who will you get? Who will you get when you look around and you see these ivory palaces of these people, Israel? My, my. Economically, they've never been better off. Morally, they've never been more wicked. Who are you going to get who will just tell it truth? Just tell the truth. Just shuck the corn and just say it. Who will you get? And the answer is Amos. You get Amos. So here's chapter 6 and verse 4. Who lie on beds of ivory, stretch out on your couches, eat lambs from the flock and calves from the midst of the stall, who sing idly to the sound of stringed instruments and invent for yourselves musical instruments like David, who drink wine from bowls. You get the, are you getting this picture? Are you painting a picture in your mind? Drink wine from bowls and anoint yourselves with the best ointments, but are not grieved for the affliction of Joseph. That is, you're not grieved for what's going on, the debauchery and the wickedness, the awfulness inside of Israel, inside of your hearts and the way you're behaving. You're not grieved about that because you're, you're too busy on the ivory beds and the bowls of wine. Therefore, they shall now go captive as the first of the captives. And those who recline at banquets shall be removed. The Lord God has sworn by himself. The Lord God of hosts says, I abhor the pride of Jacob. This is Israel. And hate his palaces. Therefore, I will deliver up the city and all that is in it. Now, number next. Let's talk about the visions. The five visions. So, God is going to communicate you remember Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 1, and God, who at sundry times in various ways, spoke in times past unto the fathers by the prophets, different ways. And one of the ways that God communicated to Amos was by visions. Now, I don't want you to think that this is some mystical, bizarre dream. It wasn't that at all. It was a communique. And there were five different ones to describe the destruction coming on Israel. Now, here's the first one. I'm in chapter 7, verse 1. Thus says the Lord God, Thus the Lord God showed me, behold, he formed locust swarms at the beginning of the late crop. Indeed, it was the late crop after the king's mowings. And so it was when they had finished eating the grass of the land that I said, O Lord God, forgive, I pray, all that Jacob may stand, for he is small. So the Lord relented concerning this. It shall not be, said the Lord. All right, now, God loves these people. Despite where they are, he still cares about them. And so here's the first Vision. It's very much like the eighth plague on Egypt. And the locusts come and they eat every bit of vegetation in existence. How are the people going to survive without the farms? How are they going to survive that? They can't. And so here's the vision. And, and Israel has the locust come in and just destroy everything. So Amos pleads for them and God relents. What does that mean? It means that, that God, God is patient. God loves them. He backs off of that one. But then it comes, I told you, you know, for three transgressions and four, brace yourself. Here's the second one. In verse four, bottom of the verse, 
God called for conflict by fire, and it consumed the great deep and devoured the territory. And I said, this is Amos, O Lord God, cease, I pray. O that Jacob may stand, for he's small. So the Lord relented concerning this. This also shall not be, says the Lord God. I won't do it. Okay, I I relent. I back off. I won't do it. But we get to verse 7. Here's the the third one. Thus he showed me, behold, the Lord stood on a wall made with a plumb line with a plumb line in his hand. Now, plumb line, and some of you know what this is, but it's a it's a string with a weight at the bottom. But the weight usually has made of brass or whatever, steel, but the, the it has a point down at the very bottom of the weight. And, and it would be to measure the plumb of a wall to make sure that it's straight up and down. How do you do that? Well, I guess... Some of us would just stand back and look at it and what do you think? What do you think? But if you have that plumb, buddy, you got it because you hold the string up and see if it's, see if the wall is even all the way down that string, right? God did that to Israel. Eight. And the Lord said to me, Amos, what do you see? And I said, a plumb line. Then the Lord said, behold, I'm setting a plumb line in the midst of my people Israel. I will not pass by them anymore. I'm not going to relent this time. The high places of Isaac shall be desolate. The sanctuaries of Israel shall be laid waste. I will rise with the sword against the house of Jeroboam. I'm going to fix this. I'm going to jerk a knot now. Now, just bear in mind that we're, again, we're two centuries from the first Jeroboam when he caused Israel to sin. And now, here we are with Jeroboam too, just as idolatrous as can be while tipping the hat to Jehovah God. They're still worshiping Jehovah God while they're idolatrous and their riches, their riches crocious and they're, they're as immoral as they can be. God said, that's enough. I've had enough. Now drop down and let's, let's go to the next one. Go to verse eight. I'm sorry, chapter eight and verse one. Thus the Lord God showed me, behold, a basket of summer fruit. And he said, Amos, what do you see? A basket of summer fruit. The Lord said to me, the end has come upon my people Israel. The summer fruit. Just think of a basket of fruit. I love summer fruit. But you put it on the table at the house and you'd better eat it pretty quick. Because when it's ripe, it's not going to last very much longer. And here's the vision. Here it is. The end has come upon my people Israel. I will not pass by them anymore. The songs of the temple shall be wailing in that day, says the Lord God. Many dead bodies everywhere. They shall be thrown out in silence. Hear this, you who swallow up the needy and make the poor of the land fall or fail. Saying, when will the new moon be passed? When will, will we sell grain in the Sabbath and that we may trade wheat? They go, they go on. They just, they just can't believe that this opulence is going to be gone. Obviously, if we live this rich, if we are this rich and we're this happy in the way that we live, surely God would never interfere with this. But God says, I've had enough of this. I've had enough. Now the last one is in chapter 9 and verse 1, and it's of the Lord standing by the altar. And he said, strike the doorposts that the thresholds may shake and break them on the heads of them all. I will slay the last of them with the sword. He who flees from them shall not get away, and he who escapes from them shall not be delivered. The destruction is going to be the the exile into Assyria. The Assyrian captivity is going to happen about 30 years later. It's going to be about somewhere around 30 years. Now, I want to do a couple of more things before we finish. 
Go back to chapter 7 with me. I want you to see Amaziah. Because any time you have a man standing up and telling the truth like Amos is, you're going to have an Amaziah. Amaziah, now there's more than one in the Bible, but this one in particular is a priest of Jeroboam II. He is, an, are you ready now? He is an idolatrous priest. Idols are figments of people's imaginations. They make them of wood, or they fashion them of stone, or they make them of metal of some sort, and when they finish, they say, that's beautiful, and they bow down and worship that lifeless thing. And he is, well, you could see through that. That's terribly transparent, isn't it? It means that I want a God who, who goes along with me. I want a God who consents to whatever I want. Jehovah's never going to be like that. The only true living God is never, ever, ever going to be like that. And so here's Amaziah, the priest of Jeroboam. I'm in chapter 7 and verse 14. Then Amos answered and said to Amaziah, this is Amos talking, I was no prophet, nor was I a son of a prophet. I was a sheep breeder and a tender of sycamore trees or fruit. Then the Lord took me as I followed the flock, and the Lord said to me, Go prophesy to my people Israel. Now therefore, hear the word of the Lord. You say, do not prophesy against Israel, Amaziah, and do not spout against the house of Isaac. Therefore, thus says the Lord, here's what God says to you. Your wife shall be a harlot in the city. Your sons and daughters shall fall by the sword. Your land shall be divided by survey line. You shall die in a defiled land, and Israel shall surely be led away captive from his own land. That's why God chose the sheep herder named Amos is because he wasn't the enemy of Israel. He was the servant of God, and he would say it. He would go there, and he would say it. All right, go down to chapter 9 with me. I'm going to draw a couple of conclusions at the end here. We're about done, but I want you to see something very interesting. So this is kind of a separate subject just as we... Get this wrapped up, but it's in chapter 9 and verse 11. Chapter 9, verse 11. Now go ahead and do the next slide. Good. On that day I will raise up the tabernacle, or rebuild the tabernacle of David, which has fallen down. I will rebuild its ruins, and I will set it up. This is the end of the book of Amos. So that the rest of mankind may seek the Lord. Even all the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord, who does all these things. Now, grasp that, because at the beginning of Amos, remember, Amos comes down on the Gentiles, the Gentile nations, and says, you're breaking the law of God, and I'm not going to ignore this, and here are the punishments that will come upon you. And then he takes care of Israel, he covers Israel, and we get to the end, and he says, now there's going to come a day, there will come a day when the Gentiles are going to be called by my name. Fascinating. All right. Hold that. And let's go to Acts chapter 15 and verse 16. And a while ago, uh, our reading for this morning was uh, that Ben did was from this passage. So this is the Jerusalem conference. If you remember, you have, I won't go into all of it, but it's about Gentiles becoming Christians and can we let the Gentiles become Christians? And shouldn't we make the Gentiles follow the law of Moses if they're going to be Christians? And so the answer was no. But James got up in that. And James, are you ready for this? Read from the book of Amos. 
After this, I'll return and will rebuild the tabernacle of David, which has fallen down. I'll rebuild its ruins and set it up so the rest of mankind may seek the Lord, even all the Gentiles. What he did was to quote from Amos about the Gentiles, which is to say that God always has a plan and God is always looking forward to the future. Now, let's, let's take uh, three Three takeaways. So the first one is, for your life and mine, we can gradually ignore the word of God while calling ourselves God's people. Now this ought to scare the socks off of us. Here we are walking in Christ. We must not repeat the, the mistakes of the past. And, and I just want us all to be aware of the fact that this can happen to a people. It happened to Israel. They were the people of God. But you had you see this breakaway, and and they kept holding on to him, and I guess that made their conscience feel better, calling themselves God's people. But they were anything but. They they wore the name, but they weren't living the life. And here's the second thing: spiritual indifference is a dangerous place to be. You, you might want to underline Amos chapter six and verse one: "Woe to you who are at ease in Zion," because that was descriptive of them. What they had was was opulence. What they had was ivory houses and palaces and beds to live in. It must have been an amazing sight to see where Israel was. And you might say, think and say, that's the pinnacle of Israel, but it really wasn't. What you see is what, you've you got to see it through the glasses of Amos. Big deal. Okay, so you've got wealth. Excuse me, but these people have been dead a long, long time. And they lived and died away from God. No matter how much wealth they had, it was, it's dust now. It all turned to dust. We've got, we better not be spiritually indifferent. Here's the third one. I can't be satisfied with my life with mere outward religion. Never do that. It, it can happen. It can happen to you. Satan's very powerful. He knows what he's doing. He's been doing it a long time. Be careful about that. I can sing the songs and I can bow my head and I, for the prayers and I, I could even give of my money and maybe a lot of money to, to the contribution of the church while on the inside I'm rotting. Can't let it happen. It happened to Israel. And, and folks, that is the point of the book of Amos. And Amos, solely, if you're listening to me now and you're a teenager, I want you to know there's a church of people here this morning that loves you. We want you to be a great man of God. And my dream for you is that you'll be a gospel preacher. Is it okay if I say that, Abraham? I want you to be a gospel preacher. And I want you to defend the truth of God. Plead with people to live the way God wants them to live. I'm so glad you're here. Is there someone here this morning who wants to obey the gospel to repent of your sins and confess Jesus' name and to be baptized. The Bible says that immersion is for the forgiveness of sins. Does that appeal to you? Have you been studying on that? Would you like the forgiveness of sins and to start your life as a disciple of Jesus? We'll be happy to assist you. If you need the prayers of the Christians, we'll be happy to do that with you. We hope you have enjoyed this lesson from God's Word, brought to us by Glenn Colley. If you have comments or questions, Glenn can be reached by email at collie at westhuntsville.org.